welcome. This is Victoria Schneps, president of Schneps Media, and today our Power Woman interview. And I'm so delighted to be able to bring you the uh, multiple Emmy Award nominee, award-winning, thrilling actress who has, you know, been with us um, met many times. And I'm so happy to welcome Tova Felschu. Tova, Tova, welcome. Thank you, Vicky. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. So, you know, um, Tova is going to be appearing in a wonderful show that I had seen uh, at the Bay Street Theater out in the Hamptons. And but we're going to kind of go backwards a little because I'm going to ask you, Tova, what were the influences on your life to be at the point you are with such great success? Well, like many people, it, it was my parents, but they were uh, they were very different from one from the other. My father was very expressive. He was a litigator and he was verbally expressive and had unconditional love and unbridled optimism in terms of his attitude toward life. So I really have modeled my life uh, on my father's emotional uh, canvas, if you will. And my mother was silent and, um, and uh, a good deed doer. She was quiet. She subsumed herself to my father until my father died. And then she blossomed like a, like the Lily she was. Her name was Lily Kaplan Felchew. My father was Sidney Felchew. So I guess I would say I have created my life in the theater on film and television through the adages of my father primarily and secondarily through my mother. My father always said, never beg a man for a hat. And that meant make sure you have your own money, be independent, that marriage without your own independent money is, um, is a jail cell and that you have to have some freedom. And Andrew and I have been married 45 years. And as a team, we've worked 90 years. We've had two careers for 90 <laughs> years. So we're doing just fine. Thank you very much. And I do not ask him for one stick of clothing. I buy it all myself. When I want those extravagant designer clothes, I go buy it with the money that I've earned. It's, well, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it sounds like you married somebody like your father. I did. I married a Harvard lawyer. My father's a Harvard lawyer. My son went to Harvard and then Harvard business. I've got three generations. And I was brought up really under the elephant tusks that uh, Teddy Roosevelt gave to the Harvard club at 27 West 44th Street. I always had the plaza, but I was brought up at the Harvard club. We're still, we're still members. And I went to Sarah Lawrence in Columbia. I did not go to Harvard. So forgive me, everyone. Well, listen, I think you've done pretty well considering you didn't go to Harvard. There's That's another right. road to success and you found it because That's certainly, right. you know, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now because it's very uh, wonderful to see a rebirthing of a play that you started out in uh, Bay Street Theater. I'm, I'm very excited to be bringing to New York and bringing myself back to the New York stage for the first time since I've done Pippin, which is almost eight years, a play yeah. called Becoming Dr. Ruth by the wonderful Mark St. Germain. It is a one-woman tour de force about that old Westheimer and her life and what she has done. And the thing about Ruth is, like my father, she has unbridled optimism. And uh, as far as Ruth is concerned, we are going to be at the Museum of Jewish Heritage in the gorgeous Safra Theater from December 4th to January 2nd. And we're on to Broadway. That's what she says every day. We're going <laughs> on to Broadway. Now, I don't know if we're going on to Broadway. I hope we're going on to Broadway. But I can tell you that Dr. Ruth Westheimer is seeing it now. And when she came to Bay Street, she says, we're coming into New York and darn it, if we didn't raise the money easily and we're coming into New York. The thing about this play is that very few of us know Ruth's backstory. We don't know about the kinder transport, which saved her life, but ripped her away from her 
intimate family who would then be murdered at Auschwitz. We don't know that she was a sniper for the Haganah. We don't know that she didn't have a high school diploma or a college baccalaureate, but still got a master's degree and a doctorate, one at the New School and one at Columbia Teachers College. So this is all revealed uh, in the conceit of this play, which is that Ruth is a new widow and she's trying to move out of the apartment in which she lived with her beloved Manfred Westheimer for 36 years and come to the play to see whether she moves out or not. But well, as you, you know, can one imagine, of, go, one go, of the things one of the things I wanted to expand on a little because you've really studied her life as well as obvious, obviously catching the essence of her, of her tone and her speech is how she really built this whole sex following of giving sex advice. So I don't know what, um, you know, if they expanded that part in the show. Well, that we go in, we, we are, we met with the playwright. He gave us some changes that we needed, uh, which was expanding on her career and also expanding on uh, why she should or shouldn't move from this apartment. But the, the biggest thing is since she was ripped away from her own family at 10 and was never touched again, I'm talking not touched for three years. So she was 13 and had her first boyfriend, Walter, at, at, the, at this Bartime orphanage. Um, she, never, she never wanted anyone to be as isolated or disconnected from other human beings as she was, and it was not under her control. So there are two things Ruth has. She has dollhouses in her apartment because she can control the families in the dollhouses. These are not for her grandchildren. These are for herself to give herself comfort. And the other thing is she decided she, want, she wanted to become a sex educator and then a sex therapist because of the wholesale ignorance in our country about sex education mainly is that we leave our orgasms up to our partners. And the truth is we're responsible for our own orgasms. And if you don't tell the guy what you need, don't expect the guy to be a mind reader and vice versa. And she took, she took sex from the privacy and the darkness of the bedroom into the light of the living room and saying, this is your entitlement as a human being. Brush your teeth, wash your face and have an orgasm. You are entitled to that kind of full life movement health. And uh, she's trustworthy. Her appearance and her accent helped her. She just was this loving um, bourgeois uh, grandma figure, even though she's young and very vital. I mean, she's 93 going on 43, but uh, the package was acceptable and she's not smarmy at all. She is not um, low class or dirty. She doesn't make fun of what she does. She takes it very seriously. Well, I think that's part of her credibility has been part of her success because exactly. she has been able to project that image. You know, I mean, I almost see like a wonderful grandmother giving you advice. And that's really been something that we all, you know, kind of like listen to our elders grew up yeah. with. And, so and also it, it allowed people to divulge their secrets. She wasn't interested in their names. And when she went on radio and then on television, she just said, it's okay. It's okay. You know, how are you, Tova? How are you? How's your clitoris? How is Andy's penis? How's everything? How are you doing? <laughs> you have a cold? Please pass, you know, please pass the latkes, whatever. It's all, in a way, it's like the children we know. When I have three magnificent, everybody feels this way, grandchildren. And the three-year-old is, you know, hello. He calls me E.E. because he can't say Grammy. Hello, E.E. How I say, how are you, Rafi? And he will say, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, my tushy hurts. Uh, 
I'm going to scratch my knee. Uh, I want to, I want to pee in the toilet. Uh, uh, watch me, watch me, watch me pee. I have great aim. So it's all kind of healthy and out there and human. And speaking about human, I've had no plastic surgery as it happens. I have the map of Manhattan on my face and it's always a shock to look at myself in the mirror, but I've been getting a lot of movies, Vicky. And I'm very pleased. I did uh, scenes from a marriage where I played Oscar Isaac's wife. Sorry, that's, that's a Freudian slip. Oscar Isaac's mother, Oscar Isaac's mother. <laughs> and then I just did Armageddon time for James Gray. And I was the wife of Anthony Hopkins and our wow. daughter is Anne Hathaway, and that will come out next year. It's a memoir. And I'm just flying to Chicago to do a picture called Start Without Me, which I will be doing with Rita Wilson, who's married to Tom Hanks. And then I will also be opposite Finn Whitrock, who's a big, a big American horror story television star. So I'm very excited. We, we had three films in a row, and I hope that just continues to help sell seats for the wonderful Becoming Dr. Ruth that opens at Saffron Hall at the Museum of Jewish Heritage on December 4th. Well, I think that, you know, if it's not a sellout, it'll be a shock. But I, I know that uh, the kind of content that you have, the, the this audience when I was there was just standing room ovation, right? So it was really something that everybody adored every minute of that uh, portrayal you had of uh, becoming Dr. Ruth. So tell me, what would you say you could advise other women about secrets to success? What, what were things that you saw during these years? And look at you on another career with all these plays, these movies coming up. But what would you say would be some good advice to give to other women? Well, in my profession, you only need one yes. So when Samuel Goldwyn kept asking Paul Muni to please play a part he didn't want to play in a movie, you know, he'd already done some spectacular work. And he said, Paul, I need you to do this part. Paul, I need you. And Muni kept saying, no, no, Sam, I'm not doing it. No, Sam. And finally he said, Sam, why do you keep asking me? And Samuel Goldwyn of Metro Goldwyn Mayor said, because I only need one yes. So that's the same thing. If you have a vision, like Ruth has a vision of Dr., you know, becoming Dr. Ruth, going from off-Broadway to Broadway, basically. And she is seeing it. And she only needs one yes. We need one person who loves Ruth, who loves the story, and feels we can sell, even if it ends up being a limited run on Broadway. I, would, I wouldn't mind either. It'd be, be wonderful to bring her to the biggest light we can theatrically in New York City. So that's the first thing. You only need one yes. And the other thing is my mother used to bang on my chest with her fist, not hard, just tap on it. She would say, Remember who you are. Remember who you are. So remember who you are, that you are not only responsible for your own orgasm, you're responsible for your own light and that your attitude in life and your attitude when you walk in a room, your energy means something. There are people who are downers and there are people who lift the room, lift the room, because if you're going to be a downer or a complainer, you may not be invited back to the party. And that's my I, 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 I think that, you know, I'm silent because it is such a, an interesting perspective and I'm such a big believer. I just recently had the pleasure of um, uh, being at the acceptance speech of Eric Adams, who is to be hopefully our new mayor in January. And he said to his mom, who passed just within the last year, I want to be a captain of the police department. I want to be a state senator. I want to be a borough president and I want to be a mayor. He had this yes attitude that anything was possible. And it sounds like what you have too, that ability to say, this is what I want and I will go for it and I will achieve it. 
Would you say that's very similar? I would be honored to say that's very similar. My fantasy for a future project, besides doing a black box, St. Joan is a memory play and looking back on my life as a warrior of, of God against uh, the, the warring governments of France and England. Besides that, my, but my real fantasy is to bring Golda in Golda's Balcony, Ruth Westheimer in Becoming Dr. Ruth, and a one-woman play on Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a part I had the honor of playing before the pandemic in a two-character play, but a one-woman play, and do it in rep, because I was trained in classical repertory, off-Broadway or on-Broadway, so that a tourist can come to my theater or the theater where I'm playing and on Tuesday night, see a prime minister on Wednesday night, on Wednesday matinee, see a Supreme Court justice and on Wednesday night, see an international sex therapist. They can see three great, brilliant women within one week because this particular actress is able to pull it off. And that's what I want to do. Bravo, bravo. Yeah, okay, yeah. we have the mission. And now okay. we know it's going to get accomplished because it's been said. So thank okay. you so much, Tova Felshu, for being with us today as a power woman. We know you are. Good luck on your new show. You break a leg. I on promise. And one last, one last thing. Everybody, I'm a new author. I wrote a memoir called Lilyville, Mother, Daughter, and Other Roles I've Played. And the book is an insight into the parent-child relationship not a far cry from the kind of work Ruth does, but of course, it's this is parent-child without any incumbent sexuality, let us say. But that, that'll be on sale after after the play. So if you want to get to know me any better, buy the audiobook or buy the book, and I would be honored to keep you company. Wonderful. Good luck with your book and the wonderful coming of the Becoming Dr. Ruth show going to the Museum of Jewish Heritage. So see you again. This is Victoria Schnepps president of Schnepps Media, and we have had the pleasure of hearing a power woman, Tova Felshu. Bye now. <laughs>